The following sermon was preached at Tower View Baptist Church. We are a gospel-centered, relationship-driven church that exists to know, grow in, share, and serve Jesus Christ. We do all this for the glory of God. For more about us, please check out our website at www.towerviewkc.com. So Darren and I sat and negotiated who's going to preach what sermons in the Sola Scripture, and, and I, I, I volunteered and took Sola Scripture, and I said, yeah, I can do that in like two and a half hours. <laughs> Chiefs game doesn't start till 325. <laughs> so pray, pray. Um, I know we just had three people in a row pray, but I'm going to pray again. Let's pray. God, we just pray that you're with this sermon, Lord, that you're with me and my words. Lord, that you're with each and every person in here, that your heart, that your Holy Spirit will touch our hearts and our minds and change us where we need to change. And so, Lord, this is not about me, even though I'm standing here, but it's about you. And just help us all to remember that. We just pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Sola Scriptura. That sounds like a foreign language. Well, it is. It's Latin. It's where we get the Latin, where we get the English word scripture. That's why the two words are so close together. It's literally a, a Latin word. So scripture in Latin literally means a product of writing. It, that's all it is. It's just a product of writing. And so that's why we call it scripture. We have made it come to mean Holy Scripture. And so we call this, this thing that we carry around, Scripture. And that's fine. You Sometimes you'll hear, you know, I was in the Army, and so we, we were in the Army, we have to make sure everybody has freedom of their religion. So there's other Scriptures. There's the Quran. There's other, there are other writings from other religions. Um, and sometimes those are called Scripture too. But when I say Scripture today, I am talking about this book here, the Holy Bible. And what does Bible mean? Well, that's a Greek word. Instead of Latin, it's Greek. Biblios. If it's translated, it would be literally scroll. But it would come to mean a book. And so you'll see well, often in, in, in today's world, we use the word Bible. You see the word Bible thrown around all over the place. For to mean it's the encompassing thing of all of this topic. And so what is scripture? It's the Holy Bible. It's, it's this Bible that we have. We have the Christian Holy Bible. And you realize that Moses started writing this thing around 1400 BC. That's like roughly almost, you know, 3,400 years ago, 3,500 years ago is when he wrote down the first five books of the Bible, the Torah. And the Old Testament wasn't completed until 400 B.C. That's a long time. And then we have the New Testament. It didn't, nobody started writing it until after Jesus died and was born, or, uh, died and was resurrected and went back to heaven. Then they started writing it. 
So that didn't start until 30 or 40 A.D. And it was all done by some scholars, say 100 A.D. I think it might have been all done by 70 A.D. Because nowhere in 70 A.D. that Jerusalem and the temple were destroyed. And nowhere is that mentioned in Scripture. You'd think they might mention that if that had happened. When you go through the book of Hebrews, it doesn't say where it, never, where it mentions the temple and sacrifices. It's never in the past tense. It's always presently. That's what the Jews are doing today. And so this Bible that we have completed, but it hasn't changed since then. It was written in Hebrew and Aramaic and Greek. It was not written in King James English. Okay? If you want to know King James English, that's this one here. I just bought this. It's got a photocopy of a Bible from 1611 where all the letters are messed up. And they and swords are not spelled correctly. So, um, if, if you want to try what what's really 1611, that's what this one is right here. You can try reading that one. Um, we don't have time to talk about all the authors that were written that wrote the Bible and all the places written: the Dead Sea Scrolls, the Masoretic Text, the Septuagint, textual criticism, the Nicene Council. The Apocrypha, or the so-called Gospel of Thomas. We, we don't have time to do all that. But you know what we do have? We have a Bible. This Bible, as Darren mentioned last week, it's not about you. But you will find yourself described there often. The Bible is not a book of cheerful sayings. But there, be much, but there is much there that will encourage you and bring you joy. The Bible is not a source of entertainment, but there will be much to occupy your imagination as you read it. The Bible is not about history, but God has worked in the past so that you can be saved today. The Bible is God's word, not man's opinion. The Bible is alive and active and piercing your soul. The Bible is about the holy nature of God and the sinful nature of mankind. And so as we read scripture, as we've had the other scriptures read today, we realize that when in the Bible, how it, scripture talks about itself uses lots of words. And so you, the Bible is, and, and within scripture, is called God's word, or sometimes just the word. It's called the law. It's called testimonies, precepts, statutes, commandments, commands, judgments, and ordinances. So as we, as the different scriptures that were read and as we read, you're going to see those words. And it's talking about the Holy Scriptures itself. It uses all those synonyms. Often it puts the word your in front of those, your precepts, your statutes, because that's who we're talking about. So today's scripture, we're going to be in the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. Kids, that's going to be on your spelling test next week. Oh. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Deuteronomy chapter 4. Let's stand as we read God's word today. I'm reading from the New American Standard is what I'm preaching from today. So if it's different from yours, that's why. Now, O Israel, or now, O church, 
Listen to the statutes and the judgments which I am teaching you to perform so that you may live and go in and take possession of the land which the Lord, the God of your fathers, has given you. You shall not add to the word which I have commanded you, nor take away from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord, your God, which I command you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord has done in the place of Baal Peor. For all the men who followed Baal Peor, the Lord your God has destroyed them from among you. But you who hold fast to the Lord your God are alive today, every one of you. See, I have taught you statutes and judgments just as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do this in the land that you are entering to possess it. So keep and do them. For that is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear all these statutes and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near as, the, as is the Lord our God whatever, whenever we call on him? Or what great nation is there that has statutes and judgments as righteous as this whole law which I am setting before you today? Only give heed to yourself and keep your soul diligently so you do not forget the things which you, your eyes have seen and they do not depart from your heart all the days of your life, but make them known to your sons and your grandsons. Remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb when the Lord said to me, assemble the people to me that they may let that I may let them hear my words so that they may learn to fear me all the days they live on the earth and they may teach their children. You came near and stood at the foot of the mountain and the mountain burned with fire to the very heart of the heavens, darkness, cloud, and thick gloom. Then the Lord spoke to you from the midst of the fire and you heard the sound of words but saw no form, only a voice. So I declare to you, his covenant, which he commanded you to perform, that is, the Ten Commandments. And he wrote them on two tablets of stone. The Lord commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and judgments that, might perform, that you might perform them in the land you are going to possess, you're going over to possess it. So watch yourselves carefully. Since you do not see any form on the day of the Lord spoke to you at Horeb from the midst of the fire, so you do not act corruptly and make a graven image for yourself in the form of any figure, the likeness of male or female, in the likeness of any animal that is on the earth, in the likeness of any winged bird that flies in the sky, the likeness of anything that creeps on the ground, or the likeness of any fish that's that is in the water below the earth. And beware that you do not lift up your eyes to heaven and see the sun and the moon and the stars and all the hosts of heaven and be drawn away and worship them and serve them. Those which your Lord of God has allotted to all the peoples under the whole heaven. But the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace from Egypt to be a people for his own possession as today. This is your word, God. Help us to study it and understand it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. In this scripture is written by a man who is born to, of a Levite, then adopted. So the guy who's writing this, he was born of a Le, the son of a Levite. But then he was adopted by one of the daughters of Egypt and lived in a palace for 40 years. And then he left that palace 
and lived out in the wilderness, leading nothing but stinky sheep for another 40 years. And then he had an encounter with God on a bush that was burning but did not burn up. That he became and came and led this nation of Israel for another 40 years. And now he's approaching the end of his life. They're getting ready to go into the promised land, but Moses doesn't get to go because of his own sin. And so God has been teaching them. And Deuteronomy is the book where Moses sums up the, the, all of history up until this time. And especially the, the events leading up to crossing in the 40 years since they left Egypt. And that's what we're reading this morning. So we're looking at 11 challenges about the word of God. 11 challenging statements. That's going to challenge you today, I pray. Maybe you know it all. That's good. That's a good reminder. But maybe some of these are going to be a little bit hard to swallow. And you're like, really? But look at verse 1. Now, O Israel, listen. Listen to the word your God. So you got notes there in your bulletin if you want to follow along. And I was going to do slides, but I wanted to go home last night. And so... Listen to the word, to the word of God. And that's what he says. Listen to the statutes and the judgments. Those are words that describe the Bible within the Bible. So listen to them. And so we're going to look at a lot of scriptures today. So get your fingers limbered up. Whether you've got to flip pages or, or get your app going or just write down all these references I'm going to have. But we're going to look at quite a few other scriptures as we go through this today. And so listen, O church, listen. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, in verse 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. 624. I'm sorry, yeah, I'm not in the right place. Um, 624. 624 says this. So the Lord God commanded us all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for, all, for our good always and for our survival as it is today. It will be righteousness for us if we are careful to observe all the commands before the Lord our God, just as he commanded it. Be careful and listen that you may live. One of the places that we're going to look at is Psalm 119. So you may want to put a bookmark there because we're going to come back to that quite often. Psalm 119, the longest book in the Bible. You know what that chapter is about? It's about the Bible. It's about Scripture. The longest psalm, the longest chapter in the Bible is about Scripture. I joked with Darren, I was just going to preach Psalm 119. All 176 verses. <laughs> I'm not. We're going to read some of it, though. Psalm 119, verse 1. How blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Walk in the law of the Lord. How blessed are those who observe his testimonies, who seek him with all their heart. They also do no unrighteousness. They walk in his way. You have ordained your precepts. You, you should that we should keep them diligently. Oh, that my ways be established to keep your statutes. Then 
I shall not be ashamed. When I look upon your commandments, I shall give thanks to you for the uprightness of heart when I learn your righteous judgments. I shall keep your statutes and do not, do not forsake me utterly. We do this to live. We do this to follow God, to listen. Do it. Don't stop. And it says that you may live. It's not prosperity gospel that you may all be wealthy because Israel, that they lived, not everybody in Israel had the same wealth level. They were rich people and they were poor people. And it's not just about living. It's about living for God. And we're going to look at that more later. Number two, the word of God is complete. Look at verses two and three back in, chap back in Deuteronomy chapter four. You shall not add to the word which I commanded you, nor take away from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I commanded you. Don't add you. Does that sound familiar? You can find those almost exact same words at the very end of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22. And you see those same words. It's like, wait a minute, by the time we get to Revelation, a lot of words have been added. By God, not by us. God added them. What did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 5? He said, I have come to fulfill the law. To fulfill these, Jesus came to complete them. That all that God has spoken of in the Old Testament. There are no lost gospels. Nothing was added by mistake. And that includes the parts that you don't like reading. They make you uncomfortable. Or you don't like what the message is. Nothing is missing. Nothing needs to be added. Number three. Hey, we're going through these pretty quickly. <laughs> Number three. Hold fast to the word of God. Hold fast to the word of God. Look at verse four. But you who held fast to the Lord your God are alive today, every one of you. You go back and you read through the book of Exodus and the book of Numbers and you see all the things that they went through while they were in the wilderness. And many of them died because they did not hold fast to God. They rejected God and God swallowed them up in a hole in the ground. The earth just separated and they fell in and it closed back up. Some of them were bitten by snakes and died from snake venom because they refused to look up to God that was symbolized by a snake on a pole. Others refused to believe that God would deliver them to the promised land. And God said, you're not going to make it to the promised land. You're going to die somewhere out here and you're never going to see it. And that's what happened. Even Moses didn't get to go to the promised land because he failed to honor God at one point in time. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 10, and I didn't mark all these in my Bible, so I have to give you time to find them too. Matthew chapter 5, Mark, Matthew 15, 8. Yeah, I'm getting there. Uh, Matthew 5, 10. 
Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you, which included Moses. Hold fast to the word of God. That doesn't mean you're going to have a your, your, your life is just going to be peachy keen. That life of roses has some thorns with it sometimes. But you know what else Jesus said? In Matthew chapter 11, 28 to 30, some of you may have this memorized. Matthew 20, 11, 28. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and lean and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest in your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How can God say that you're going to be persecuted, but his yoke is easy? Because when you're resting in God, you can rest easy, even as if you are being persecuted. What did Peter do when he was in jail? The night, no, not Paul, Peter. Paul sang all night. That's how he took it easy. Peter went to sleep. He fell asleep in prison the night before his execution. So much so that the angel had to kick him to wake him up. Go read that. It's in the book of Acts. Our hope is believing that God's that believing God's word for our future. That's what our hope is in. It's not in the things of this earth. It's not in retirement plans. It's not in children and grandchildren. Those are all great things. But that's not what our faith is built on. Because all those things can be taken away from us. Our hope is in God's word. Number four, the preacher, teacher, leader. I couldn't figure out which word I wanted to use, so I used all of them. The preacher, teacher, leader needs to teach the word of God. Because sometimes it's the preacher that's standing up here. Sometimes it's the teacher of your Sunday school class or a Bible study group. And sometimes it's just some other Christian leader who's teaching needs to teach the word of God. Look at verse, go back to Deuteronomy, verse 5. See, I have taught you your statutes. I have taught you statutes and commandments just as the Lord God commanded me. That's what my role is. That's what Darren's role is. That's what Ben's learning his role is going to be. That's what Brian's role is. Every Sunday school teacher, that's what your role is. Moses is teaching them. Paul taught and he passed on his wisdom to Timothy so look at look at first Timothy it's way in the back it's after Thessalonians because th comes before ti alphabetically that's how I remember Timothy is after Thessalonians so going first Timothy chapter 4 verse 10 and we're going to look at first Timothy and second Timothy 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. For it, is, for it is for this we labor and strive, because we have fixed our hope on the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially the believers. Prescribe and teach these things. 
prescribe and teach these things. So you have a teacher, pastor, teacher, leader, and they are not teaching these things of God? Run away. Find a new preacher, teacher, leader. They are not doing what God has called them to do. Run away from them. Paul continues this in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 1.13 says, Retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Retain these sound words. And he continues this in chapter 3, verse 14. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. That happened to be Paul, but also from God. And that from childhood, you have known the sacred writings, which are, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Therefore, teaching includes correcting. Ouch, we don't like to be corrected. We don't like when the teacher uses a red pen on our homework and writes all kinds of things on it whether you're in elementary school or college or later. Pastors and Sunday school teachers today, we need to continue to teach God's word. That means sometimes that we have to correct ourselves. Maybe we have to correct our own teaching because our thoughts don't line up with scripture. The God of our imagination doesn't line up with the God of scripture. Or the teachings of this world don't line up with scripture. Jesus condemned scribes and Pharisees for not teaching the word of God. Look at Matthew 23, 23. I could at least there were a whole bunch of these. I'll just read this one. Matthew 23, 23. 21, 22, 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weighty provisions of the law. Justice and mercy and faithfulness. These are the things you should have done without neglecting the other. He chastised them for not teaching scripture. If you're, as I said, if your teacher is not teaching the word of God, find a new teacher. And if that's in this church, you need to let somebody know. And if it's one of the pastors, well... You need to find a new pastor, whether you go to a different church or you come to a business meeting. <laughs> Number five, we are all to keep and do the word of God. We're all to keep and do the word of God. Look at verses six through eight. So keep and do them for that is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of of the peoples who hear all these statutes and say, surely this great nation is wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near as our Lord, as the Lord, our God, 
whenever we call on him? Or what great nation is there that has statues and judgments of as righteousness, which this whole law, which I am setting before you today? We need to keep and do all of God's work. We can become a great church. Why? Because we understand our wisdom, our wisdom and understanding comes from keeping the word of God. Not from my eloquent speaking, I stumble over my words all the time. Not from that. Not from all my understanding of, of astronomy or, or the space program. That, none of that it matters. It doesn't matter if the Chiefs win or lose. What matters is the word of God. Do we understand that? Do we understand it and put it to practice? Because that's how the world will, will know we are Christians. Because we follow God's word and follow his precepts, his judgments. In our Sunday school lesson today, we're going through the book of Hosea. In Hosea 4, 6, I just typed it up in my notes. Hosea 4, 6 says this. May my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I will reject you from being my priest since you have forgotten the law of your God. I will also forget your children. They didn't understand God. They didn't know it in their head. Proverbs 1.7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. You should desire instruction. You desire wisdom. Pray for it. God, I don't understand this stuff. Help me to understand it. God, I, I, I seem to live like a foolish person. Help me to be wise in my life. Make it a prayer request. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Help us to do that. Number six, challenge yourself to know the word of God. So number five leads right into this one. Challenge yourself to know the word of God. In Deuteronomy 6.4, I started to read this because I knew I was going to read it. It was just in the wrong point. Deuteronomy 6.4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Oh, I thought Jesus said that. It was here first. Verse 6, these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons, and you shall talk to them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. And you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be on the frontals of your forehead, and you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Challenge yourself to know the word of God. The Jews took this, take this literally. They literally write down these verses and they put them in a little satchel and they tie them on their arm. That's where it says, put, them on, put it on your hand. They put them on, on your arm here. And they put another one and they wrap it around and put it up, so it's up here on their forehead. And they have a little box that has this scripture written down and it's stuck on the side of their door frame where you come into the house. Some Jews do that. But think about it. What if it's just being literally? Word of God needs to be in your head. You have to know it. 
Whether you can quote it word for word or not, do you understand what it says? Is it in your hands? Is the word of God come out in what you do in life? As you live your life, can people see the word of God in you? Or are they surprised when they see you go to church? They hear about you going to church. Oh, you're a Christian. I didn't know that. You know, I've been surprised by people's like at work. It's like, you go to church? Really? <laughs> okay. If you say so. <laughs> Don't be that guy. Don't be that gal. You should live your life. And it should be in your house. Whether it's literal pieces of artwork that have scriptures written on it. Or it should just be the way your house lives. That people, somebody coming to visit your house, your kids' friends come over and they can say, why is your house so different? Why do you, well, it's not like our house. How do you live so differently here in this house? You treat people different, not like my house. We see this in Psalm 119. I thought we already read that. Well, there's some of the verses. 119.33. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I shall observe them to the end. Give me understanding that I may observe your law and keep it with all my heart. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to dishonest gain. Turn away my eyes from looking at vanity and revive me in your ways. Establish your word to your servant so that... You as, as that we may produce reverence for you. Turn away my reproach, which I dread, for your ordinances are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. Revive me through your righteousness. This can be a prayer. Psalms, one, Psalms is a great place to turn those words into your prayer requests. But not only number six, to challenge yourself to know the word of God. Number seven, challenge yourself to teach the word of God. But, but I'm not a teacher. Verse 8, what did it say there? In, going back to Deuteronomy 4. Yeah, actually, verse 9. I had my notes wrong. Only give heed to yourself and keep your soul diligently so that you do not forget the things which your eyes have seen and do not depart your heart from all the days you have, but make them known to your sons and your grandsons and that includes your daughters and your granddaughters teach them we just read that in chapter 6 it said teach them to your sons and grandsons as you walk along the road when you're sitting at home when you're out and about when you're driving in the car when you're talking about the day's events and what happened at school what happened at work teach them when you watch the news <coughs> teach them make everything an object lesson you don't have to be some grand eloquent teacher you just teach them what you know as you learn it psalm 78 verses starting in verse 1 says this psalm 78 it's a long psalm 78.1 says this, Listen, O my people, to my instructions. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not conceal them from our children. We will not conceal them from their children. 
But tell to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wondrous works that he has done. Tell them to everybody. Tell them to your children. Teach them to others, people. Tell them, teach them to your nieces and nephews, your cousins, classmates. Teach them to others. Number eight, the word of God allows you to remember what God has done. If you're like me, out of sight, out of mind. I stick, I, I, get, I, I get a piece of paper I need to deal with and I put it in my book bag, my computer bag that I carry with me so I know I won't lose it. I know it's still there, but when I need to do with it, I forget about it when I need to do something with it. And it just, it just goes, goes, out, goes out. But the word of God allows you to remember what does he do? Verses 9 through 14, he lists all the things, that, some of the things that God has done for them. You remember when you went to Mount Horeb? What had happened to Mount Horeb? God spoke to the whole nation of Israel and spoke the Ten Commandments to them. You can read about it in Exodus 20. Do you remember when that happened? You go through scriptures and you see all those places where God worked. Why? Why do we need to do that? Go to Psalm 22. Psalm 22 is a favorite psalm. Jesus quotes the first line of this psalm from the cross. Psalm 22, one says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you feel like that, that some days? Life is just awful. Things have went awry. Went awry. <clears throat> Far from my deliverance are the words of my groanings. Oh, my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. And by night, and I have no rest. Sounds like you're praying to the ceiling and the prayers are just bouncing off and not even leaving the room. It's like, God, I'm crying out and nothing's happening. But what does he say in verse 3? Yet you are holy, the one who is enthroned upon the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were delivered. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. God promises a great source of assurance and reassurance. And you can read through scripture and see how God comforted others, how God rescued others in the past. And know that we have the same God today. That you can rest on that reassurance. So you read scripture, the word of God, so you have those memories. So you can remember how God has worked and claim those promises on God. Number nine, God has given you the word of God. God has given you the word of God. Yes, that's the way I wrote it. You see that in verse 13. So declare to you, so he declared to you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform. That is the 10 commandments. And he wrote them down on two stone tablets. <clears throat> you go back to Exodus 20. God literally wrote the 10 commandments on two stone tablets. Thankfully, we use paper for the rest of it. Because if we had to carry stone tablets with the same size and such, that, that we'd need a forklift to carry the Bible. Kelly might think we need a forklift to carry it. Kelly Miller, she has the Bible on Braille. 
18 volumes. It would stand about four or five feet tall if we stacked them up here. The Braille version, okay? Our versions are a little bit smaller, more compact. Some of you have even smaller ones. Or you have it on this. God has given you the word of God. He spoke it to us. It's not man's opinions. Man may have had, held the pen and paper and wrote it down, but it's not his opinion. God gave it to the people of God for the first time in Exodus and Deuteronomy. He is still giving them to you today. Every time you pick up the Bible. If somebody says to you, hey, I got a new word from God. No, you don't. God has spoken. Okay, what's the role of the pastor then? To explain it, to apply it, to correct, to rebuke. But it's not a new word. You read through the Old Testament and God says, thus says the Lord. Why? Because the Bible was still being written and the prophets of God were speaking the words of God. Thus says the Lord. But what does it say in the New Testament? It is written. By the time the disciples came about and started following Jesus, the Old Testament had been complete for 400 years. That's how old the King James Bible is, 400 years or so. Okay? And so Jesus said, it is written when he refers to the words of God. The disciples, it is written. And that's what Jesus said in, in Matthew 5. He says, it is written. Not any little jot or tittle, uses the smallest markings that they had, are going to be fall away. It is written. The Jews and early Christians had the Bible. We call it the Old Testament as Christians. And the New Testament came soon after. God's word is now written. We explain it. We apply it, but we don't got any new words from God. I don't got any new prophecies about what the end times is going to, ha is, is going to happen, on what political situation. I don't have any words for that because it's not in Scripture. And we see God's warning. We saw it back in verse 2. It says, don't add anything to it. Don't take anything away from it. We see that. In, and so... These are the words that he's given these to you. Treat them as precious. We don't have to treat them like the Muslims do, where they treat the book itself as precious. Okay? You know, if, you know, if I'm busy, I'm doing something, you know, I might pick up the Bible and set it on the floor. A Muslim would never do that. A Muslim would never stack something on top of their Bible, of their Quran. Okay? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking the words of God are precious. Do you commit them to memory? Do you do these things that I'm, we're talking about today? Number 10, watch yourself so you not sin against the word of God. Watch yourself so you don't sin against the word of God. He lists a whole bunch of things in here in verses um, 15 to 19. Don't make graven images. Now, we don't make graven images today, per se, but we can let all kinds of things get in our way of God, can't we? If we're not careful, it's sports. It can be work. It could even be family. 
well, I got to do this family thing. I can't go worship God today. Well, can I worship God on the golf course and out in nature? Sure, just not on Sunday morning. You've got six other days to go do that. Okay? Don't put things before God. God teaches us what's... Watch yourself so you're not sin. Where do we sin? We get... God teaches us what sin is. We see what happened in the Garden of Eden with Noah. God spoke to Israel. Um, the Ten Commandments, literally the words of God. What did Paul say in Romans? He says the law was there to correct us, to so we knew what sin was. Romans 7, 7, it says the law was there to teach us what sin was. Because if without the law, we wouldn't know what sin is. How do we know what's right and wrong without somebody telling us what the wrong thing is? And that's why it's here. Even when we don't like what it says. But that's why it's here. Number 11. The word of God describes how he has saved you and made you a part of the people of God. Look at verse 20. But the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace from Egypt to be a people for his own possession as today. And if you're a study of the word of God, you go, wait a minute, that's, that's, that's in another place. You're right, it's in 1 Peter. Look at 1 Peter. Way in the back of the New Testament, after Hebrews, but before Revelation. James came first, and then Peter. First Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 4. And coming to him as a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. And you also, as living stones, are being put, built up as a spiritual house for, the holy, for a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. This precious value, then, is for those who believe, but for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone, and the stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word." disobedient to the word and this and to this doom they are also appointed but you are a chosen race a royal priesthood a holy nation a people for God's own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light for once you were not a people but now you are the people of God you had not received mercy but now you have received mercy You go through this scripture here that I just read, and Paul quotes from Isaiah chapter 28 and chapter 8 and verse 40, and chapter 42 and, and, and chapter 61. He quotes from Psalms 118. He's quoting from Hosea from our Sunday school lessons the past couple of weeks. You who are not a people are now my people. You didn't have mercy, now have mercy. Okay? Hosea, made, that, that's what he named his kids. And then he's quoting from Deuteronomy. 
what we just read today. A people for God's own possession. How do you get that? By following God. And we get that through following Jesus Christ. Where do we find that? In Scripture. In Scripture, we find out why Jesus is the only way. In Scripture, we find out why we walk by faith and how to walk by faith. In Scripture, we find out about this saving grace that God the Father has provided through Jesus Christ. In Scripture, we find out about the glory of God and what we get to live in the future, in eternity in heaven, because it's in Scripture. And we find all that in Scripture. We don't find that in our imaginations. We don't, well, to me, Jesus is, no, it's not the God of your imagination. It's the God of Scripture. That's what we have to study. That's what we follow. Well, pastor, what scripture should I read? All right, I brought a few up here. So this one here is a Jewish, is just the Old Testament. It's a Jewish translation. So it has all the same books that we have in our Old Testament. They're just in a different order. Well, if you're, if you're stubborn, here's the 1611 King James. It still works. It's all right. And these other ones here. So this one here is an NIV study Bible that I got when I was in college. It has to be in this cover because it's falling apart. The hardcover is falling off. In 1977, Middlebury Church of the Brethren gave me the Living Bible. It's kind of cool. It's got cool pictures in there. There's a picture of an of a IndyCar crash. There's a picture of a, a car with an engine so big you can't fit inside the car. Um, this came from the 70s. This is a not a translation. Somebody rewrote the King James into this. But you see, it's kind of worn, but it, it's got written in it. And then my mom got me my Schofield King James back when I was in high school, when I was 16. All right. I joined the army. I bought this little thingy here. It's, it's, uh, it was published by, um, well, Holman. It's, it's a, a, a Holman Christian Standard Bible. It's called the Soldier's Bible, but it's the right size that fits in a cargo pocket of your, of your BDU pants. And you see it's kind of beat up because it went on a lot of deployments with me. This one's got water damage because I took it camping and it rained. <laughs> but how's your Bible? Is it a mess or is it covered with dust? It's okay to write in all, all these Bibles. You'll find I, I've, I've written in these things. I've underlined. I've made comments in the thing. This one also has some comments from seminary, I think. And, um, and so is it being used? Are you wearing it out? Do you have to buy a cover for it because it's falling apart? This one here I, I've been preaching with. One, it's got big words, so it's easier to read as I get older. But it's also, I got this when I graduated from seminary. And no, none of these are the same translation. NIV, Living Bible, King James Schofield, which is different from regular King James. Um, this is Holman Christian Standard, New American Standard. The Pew Bibles are English, the English Standard Version. And I didn't even bring all of them over from my office. I had the other translations I have. I didn't bring the translation that says once upon a time in, in Genesis chapter 11. 
What's the Tells you what they're thinking. And we didn't talk about the Apocrypha and all, all that stuff. But read the Bible. Well, how, how much should I read? More than you did last year. If you don't have a pattern and a habit of reading the Bible, then read a verse. Read one verse a day. There's apps that will pop up a verse. This, they're kind of random, but that's better than nothing. If that's you got to start with somewhere. If you've been reading that verse, start reading a chapter. If they pop up that verse, pull up the chapter that verse belongs in and read the whole chapter. There are Bible reading plans out there you can find. We've handed them out before. I think this Bible actually has a reading plan at the, at the front of it. Actually, I think I started it. Yeah, April 25th, 1979. I got through Levit part of Leviticus and then I quit. <laughs> um, but if you stop and you lose your place, don't worry about the date that it says on the Bible reading plan. Just keep reading. So what if it takes you three years to get through that one-year Bible reading plan? So what? Get through it. Persevere. Keep going. If you read a chapter a day, strive to read two chapters a day. Read more than you did last year. If you only read the Bible one day a week right now because you only read it Sunday morning before you show up to church, strive to read it two days a week. And if you read it two days a week, maybe you strive to read it five days a week, but you only end up reading it two days a week. You know what? That's still progress. Because you're going to make perfection while you're on this earth. I don't know what the perfect reading plan is for the Bible, by the way. I, I read all of it every day. I, you know, most of us can. There's only a few people that can actually literally do that. That's not realistic. Read more than you did before. Make progress. Because we don't get perfection until we get to heaven. So just read it. Read it more than you did before. Make progress. God's word tells us of God's grace, the reason and substance of our faith, the glory of God in Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. God's word is described as a sword. Sometimes coming out of the mouth of Jesus. We see that in the book of Revelation. In the armor of God that we find in Ephesians 6, the word of God is the sword, the only offensive weapon described. Jesus uses God's word to thwart Satan in Matthew 4 when he's being tempted. When Jesus in the, was in the wilderness fasting for 40 days, Satan misused God's word. Jesus used it correctly. Without the word of God, we would not know we are sinners in need of a savior. We would not know that there is a judgment for mankind because of our sins. We would not know of the grace and mercy God provided through Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, for that judgment. We would not know how to get our names in the Lamb's book of life. That through repentance and trust and belief in the words of God. We would not know of the power of God through creation and all the miracles, things that he has done in Jerusalem and through Jesus Christ. Without the word of God, we would not know that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us when we don't know how to pray. We would not know the Holy Spirit was sent to comfort us in troubled times. Without the word of God, we would not know that the, that, that the land of heaven to, that we can live in for eternity. Without the word of God, we would be without hope, 
and in despair. Turn to God today. Trust the promises that are in the word of God. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you and praise you for your word, the scriptures, the Holy Bible. Help us to use it to serve you. Help us to, to use it to gain wisdom and understanding and to live a holy life. Help us to use it to win others to Christ and tell them about their salvation. Help us to live it, that we can live, use your word to live with hope instead of despair. You are the mighty God. We pray all these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen.